Section 11 of Men Like Gods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Men Like Gods by H. G. Wells. Section 11. Book 2, Chapter 3, Mr. Barnstable as a Traitor to Mankind. Part 1 mr barnstaple spent a large part of the night sitting upon his bed and brooding over the incalculable elements of the situation in which he found himself what could he do what ought he to do where did his loyalty lie the dark traditions and infections of the earth had turned this wonderful encounter into an ugly and dangerous antagonism far too swiftly for him to adjust his mind to the new situation before him now only two possibilities seemed open either the utopians would prove themselves altogether the stronger and the wiser and he and all his fellow pirates would be crushed and killed like vermin or the desperate ambitions of mr catskill would be realized and they would become a spreading sore in the fair body of this noble civilization a band of robbers and destroyers dragging utopia year by year and age by age back to terrestrial conditions there seemed only one escape from the dilemma to get away from this fastness to the utopians to reveal the whole scheme of the earthlings to them and to throw himself and his associates upon their mercy but this must be done soon before the hostages were seized and bloodshed began but in the first place it might be very difficult now to get away from the earthling band mr catskill would already have organized watchers and sentinels and the peculiar position of the crag exposed every avenue of escape and in the next place mr barnstaple had a lifelong habit of mind which predisposed him against tail-bearing and dissentient action his school training had moulded him into subservience to any group or gang in which he found himself his form his side his house his school his club his party and so forth yet his intelligence and his limitless curiosities had always been opposed to these narrow conspiracies against the world at large his spirit had made him an uncomfortable rebel throughout his whole earthly existence he loathed political parties and political leaders he despised and rejected nationalism and imperialism and all the tawdry loyalties associated with them the aggressive conqueror the grabbing financier the shoving businessman he hated as he hated wasps rats hyenas sharks fleas nettles and the like all his life he had been a citizen of utopia exiled from earth after his fashion he had sought to serve utopia but why should he not serve utopia now because his band was a little and desperate band that was no reason why he should serve the things he hated they were a desperate crew the fact remained that they were also as a whole an evil crew there is no reason why liberalism should degenerate into a morbid passion for minorities only two persons among the earthlings lady stella and mr burleigh held any of his sympathy and he had his doubts about mr burleigh mr burleigh was one of those strange people who seemed to understand everything and feel nothing he impressed mr barnstaple as being intelligently irresponsible 
wasn't that really more evil than being unintelligently adventurous like hunker or baralonga mr bonstable's mind returned from a long excursion into ethics to the realities about him to-morrow he would survey the position and make his plans and perhaps in the twilight he would slip away it was entirely in his character to defer action in this way for the better part of the day his life had been one of deferred action almost from the beginning part two but events could not wait for mr barnstable he was called at dawn by pink who told him that henceforth the garrison would be aroused every morning by an electric hooter he and ridley had contrived as pink spoke a devastating howl from this contrivance inaugurated the new era he handed mr barnstable a slip of paper torn from a notebook on which mr catskill had written noncom barnaby to assist ridley prepare breakfast lunch and dinner times and menu on mess-room wall clear away and wash up smartly and at other times be at disposal of lieutenant hunker in chemical laboratory for experimenting in bomb-making keep laboratory clean that's your job said pank ridley's waiting for you well said mr barnstable and got up it was no use precipitating a quarrel if he was going to escape so he went to the scarred and bandaged ridley and they produced a very good imitation of a british military kitchen in that great raw year nineteen fourteen everyone was turned out to breakfast at half-past six by a second solo on the hooter the men were paraded and inspected by mr catskill with m dupont standing beside him mr hunker stood parallel with these two and a few yards away all the other men fell in except mr burleigh who was to be civil commander in utopia and was in that capacity in bed and mr barnstable the non-combatant miss greta gray and lady stella sat in a sunny corner of the courtyard sewing at a flag it was to be a blue flag with a white star a design sufficiently unlike any existing national flag to avoid wounding the patriotic susceptibilities of any of the party it was to represent the earthling league of nations after the parade the little garrison dispersed to its various posts and duties m dupont assumed the chief command and mr catskill who had watched all night went to lie down he had the napoleonic quality of going off to sleep for an hour or so at any time in the day mr pank went up to the top of the castle where the hooter was installed to keep a lookout there were some moments to be snatched between the time when mr barnstaple had finished with ridley and the time when hunker would discover his help was available and this time he devoted to an inspection of the castle wall on the side of the slopes while he was standing on the old rampart weighing his chances of slipping away that evening in the twilight an aeroplane appeared above the crag and came down upon the nearer slope two utopians descended taught with their aviator for a time and then turned their faces toward the fastness of the earthlings a single note of the hooter brought out mr catskill upon the rampart beside mr barnstable he produced a field-glass and surveyed the approaching figures serpentine and cedar he said lowering his field-glass and they come alone good he turned round and signalled with his hand to pank who responded with two short whoops of his instrument 
this was the signal for a general assembly down below the courtyard appeared the rest of the allied force and mr hunker and fell in with a reasonable imitation of discipline mr catskill passed mr barnstable without taking any notice of him joined m dupont mr hunker and their subordinates below and proceeded to instruct them in his plans for the forthcoming crisis mr barnstable could not hear what was said he noted with sardonic disapproval that each man as mr catskill finished with him clicked his heels together and saluted then at a word of command they dispersed to their posts there was a partly ruined flight of steps leading down from the general level of the courtyard through this great archway in the wall that gave access to and from the slopes below ridley and mush went down to the right of these steps and placed themselves below a projecting mass of masonry so as to be hidden from anyone approaching from below father amerton and mr hunker concealed themselves similarly to the left father amerton mr byron staple noted had been given a coil of rope and then his roving eye discovered mr mush glancing at a pistol in his hand and then replacing it in his pocket lord baralonga took up a position for himself some steps above mr mush and produced a revolver which he held in his one efficient hand mr catskill remained at the head of the stairs he also was holding a revolver he turned to the citadel considered the case of pank for a moment and then motioned him down to join the others m dupont armed with a stout table leg placed himself at mr catskill's right hand for a time mr barnstable watched these dispositions without any realization of their significance then his eyes went from the crouching figures within the castle to the two unsuspecting utopians who were coming up towards them and he realized that in a couple of minutes serpentine and cedar would be struggling in the grip of their captors he perceived he had to act and his had been a contemplative critical life with no habit of decision he found himself trembling violently part three he still desired some mediatory intervention even in these fatal last moments he raised an arm and cried hi as much to the earthlings below as to the utopians without no one noticed either his gesture or his feeble cry then his will seemed to break through a tangle of obstacles to one simple idea serpentine and cedar must not be seized he was amazed and indignant at his own vacillation of course they must not be seized this foolery must be thwarted forthwith in four strides he was on the wall above the archway and now he was shouting loud and clear danger he shouted danger and again danger he heard catskill's cry of astonishment and then a pistol bullet whipped through the air close to him serpentine stopped short and looked up touched cedar's arm and pointed these earthlings want to imprison you don't come here danger yelled mr barnstable waving his arms and pat 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 mr catskill experienced the disappointments of revolver shooting serpentine and cedar were turning back but slowly and hesitatingly for a moment mr catskill knew not what to do then he flung himself down the steps crying after them stop them come on go back cried mr barnstaple to the utopians go back quickly quickly came a clatter of feet from below and then the ape-man who 
constituted the combat strength of the earthling forces in utopia emerged from under the archway running towards the two astonished utopians mr mush fled with ridley at his heels he was pointing his revolver and shouting next came m dupont zealous and active father amberton took up the rear with the rope go back screamed mr barnstable with his voice breaking then he stopped shouting and watched with his hands clenched the aviator was running down the slope from his machine to the assistance of serpentine and cedar and above out of the blue two other aeroplanes had appeared the two utopians disdained to hurry and in a few seconds their pursuers had come back up with them hunker ridley and mush led the attack m dupont flourishing his stick was abreast with him but running out to the right as though he intended to get between them and the aviator mr catskill and pank were a little behind the leading three the one-armed barralonga was perhaps ten yards behind and father amberton had halted to recoil his rope more conveniently there seemed to be a moment's parley and then serpentine had moved quickly as if to seize hunker a pistol cracked and then another went off rapidly three times oh god cried mr barnstaple oh god as he saw serpentine throw up his arms and fall backward and then cedar had grasped and lifted up mush and hurled him at mr catskill and pank bowling both of them over into one indistinguishable heap with a wild cry m dupont closed in on cedar but not quickly enough his club shot into the air as cedar parried his blow and then the utopian stooped caught him by a leg overthrew him lifted him and whirled him round as one might whirl a rabbit to inflict a stunning blow on mr hunker lord barralonga ran back some paces and began shooting at the approaching aviator the confusion of legs and arms on the ground became three separate people again mr catskill shouting directions made for cedar followed by pank and mush and a moment after by hunker and dupont they clung to cedar as hounds will cling to a boar time after time he flung them off father amerton hovered unhelpfully with his rope for some moments mr barnstaple's attention was concentrated upon this swaying and staggering attempt to overpower cedar and then he became aware of other utopians running down the slope to join the fray the other two aeroplanes had landed mr catskill realized the coming of these reinforcements almost as soon as mr barnstaple his shouts of back back to the castle reached mr barnstaple's ears the earthling scattered away from the tall dishevelled figure hesitated and began to walk and then run back towards the castle and then ridley turned and very deliberately shot cedar who clutched at his breast and fell into a sitting position the earthlings retreated to the foot of the steps that led up through the archway into the castle and stood there in a panting bruised and ruffled group fifty yards away serpentine lay still the aviator whom barralonga had shot writhed and moaned and cedar sat up with blood upon his chest trying to feel his back five other utopians came hurrying to their assistance what is all this firing said lady stella suddenly at mr barnstaple's elbow have they caught their hostages asked miss greta gray for the life of me said mr burleigh who had come out upon the wall a yard or so away this ought never to have happened how did this get muffed lady stella 
i called out to them said mr barnstaple you called out to them said mr burleigh incredulous treason i did not calculate upon came the wrathful voice of mr catskill ascending out of the archway part four for some moments mr barnstaple made no attempt to escape the danger that closed in upon him he had always lived a life of very great security and with him as with so many highly civilized types the power of apprehending personal danger was very largely atrophied he was a spectator by temperament and training alike he stood now as if he looked at himself the central figure of a great and hopeless tragedy the idea of flight came belatedly in a reluctant and apologetic manner into his mind shot as a traitor he said aloud shot as a traitor there was that bridge over the narrow gorge he might still get over that if he went for it at once if he was quick quicker than they were he was too intelligent to dash off for it that would certainly have set the others running he walked along the wall in a leisurely fashion past mr burleigh himself too civilized to intervene in a quickening stroll he gained the steps that led to the citadel then he stood still for a moment to survey the situation catskill was busy setting sentinels at the gate perhaps he had not thought yet of the little bridge and imagined that mr barnstaple was at his disposal at any time that suited him up the slope the utopians were carrying off the dead or wounded men mr barnstaple descended the steps as if buried in thought and stood on the citadel for some seconds his hands in his trouser pockets as if he surveyed the view then he turned to the winding staircase that went down to a sort of guard-room below as soon as he was surely out of sight he began to think and move very quickly the guard-room was perplexing it had five doors any one of which except the one by which he had just entered the room might lead down to the staircase against one however stood a pile of neat packing-cases that left three to choose from he ran from one to the other leaving each door open in each case stone steps ran down to a landing and a turning-place he stood hesitating at the third and noted that a cold draught came blowing up it surely that meant that this went down to the cliff-face or whence came the air surely this was it should he shut the doors he had open no leave them all open he heard a clatter coming down the staircase from the citadel softly and swiftly he ran down the steps and halted for a second at the corner landing he was compelled to stop and listen to the movements of his pursuers this is the door to the bridge sir he heard ridley cry and then he heard catskill say the tarpeian rock and Baralonga. exactly why should we waste a cartridge are you sure this goes to the bridge ridley the footsteps pattered across the guard-room and passed down one of the other staircases a reprieve whispered barnstaple and then stopped aghast he was trapped the staircase they were on was the staircase to the bridge they would go down as far as the bridge and as soon as they got to it they would see that he was neither on it nor on the steps on the opposite side of the gorge and that therefore he could not possibly have escaped they would certainly bar that way either by closing and fastening any door there might be or failing such a barrier by setting a sentinel and then they would come back and hunt for him at their leisure 
what was it catskill had been saying the tarpian rock horrible they mustn't take him alive he must fight like a rat in a corner and oblige them to shoot him he went on down the staircase it became very dark and then grew light again it ended in an ordinary big cellar which may once have been a gun pit or magazine it was fairly well lit by two unglazed windows cut in the rock it now contained a store of provisions along one side stood an array of the flask-like bottles that were used for wine in utopia along the other was a miscellany of packing cases and cubes wrapped in gold leaf he lifted one of the glass flasks by its neck it would make an effective club suppose he made a sort of barrier of the packing cases across the entrance and stood beside it and clubbed the pursuers as they came in glass and wine would smash over their skulls it would take time to make the barrier he chose and carried three of the larger flasks to the doorway where they would be handy for him then he had an inspiration and looked at the window he listened at the door of the staircase for a time not a sound came from above he went to the window and lay down in the deep embrasure and wiggled forward until he could see out and up and down the cliff below fell sheer he could have spat on to the brawling torrent fifteen feet perhaps below the crag here was made up of almost vertical strata which projected and receded a big buttress hid almost all of the bridge except the far end which seemed to be about twenty or thirty yards lower than the opening from which mr barnstaple was looking mr catskill appeared upon this bridge very small and distant scrutinizing the rocky stairway beyond the bridge mr barnstaple withdrew his head hastily then very discreetly he peeped again mr catskill was no longer to be seen he was coming back to business there was not much time in his earlier days before the great war had made travel dear and uncomfortable mr barnstaple had done some rock climbing in switzerland and he had also some experience in cumberland and wales he surveyed now the rocks close at hand with an intelligent expertness they were cut by almost horizontal joint planes into which there had been a considerable infiltration chiefly of white crystalline material this stuff which he guessed was calcite had weathered more rapidly than the general material of the rock leaving a series of irregular horizontal grooves with luck it might be possible to work along the cliff face turn the buttress and scramble to the bridge and then came an even more hopeful idea he could easily get along the cliff face to the first recess flatten himself there and remain until the earthlings had searched his cellar after they had searched he might creep back into the cellar even if they looked out of the window they would not see him and even if he left finger marks and so forth in the embrasure they would likely to conclude that he had either jumped or fallen down the crag into the gorge below but at first it might be slow work negotiating the cliff face and this would cut him off from his weapons the flasks but the idea of hiding in the recess had taken a strong hold upon his imagination very cautiously he got out of the window found a handhold got his feet onto his ledge and began to work his way along toward his niche but there were unexpected difficulties a gap of nearly five yards in the handhold nothing he had to flatten himself and trust to his feet 
and for a time you remain quite still in that position further on was a rotten lump of the vein mineral and it broke away under him very disconcertingly but happily his fingers had a grip and the other foot was firm the detached crystal slithered down the rock face for a moment and then made no further sound they had dropped into the void for a time he was paralyzed i'm not in good form whispered barnstaple i'm not in good form he clung motionless and prayed with an effort he resumed his traverse he was at the very corner of the recess when some faint noise drew his eyes to the window from which he had emerged ridley's face was poked out slowly and cautiously his eye red and fierce among his white bandages part five he did not at first see mr barnstaple god he said when he did so and withdrew his head hastily came a sound of voices saying indistinguishable things some inappropriate instinct kept barnstaple quite still though he could have gotten into cover in the recess quite easily before mr catskill looked out revolver in hands for some moments they stared at each other in silence come back or i shoot said mr catskill unconvincingly shoot said mr barnstaple after a moment's reflection mr catskill craned his head out and stared down into the shadowy blue depths of the canyon it isn't necessary he answered we have to save cartridges you haven't the guts said mr barnstaple it's not quite that said mr catskill no said mr barnstaple it isn't you are fundamentally a civilized man mr catskill scowled at him without hostility you have a very good imagination mr barnstaple reflected the trouble is that you have been so damnably educated what is the trouble with you you are b kiplinged empire and anglo-saxon and boy scout and sleuth are the stuff in your mind if i had gone to eton i might have been the same as you are i suppose harrow corrected mr catskill a perfectly beastly public school suburban place where the boys wear chignons and straw halos i might have guessed harrow but it's queer i bear you no malice given decent ideas you might have been very different from what you are if i had been your schoolmaster but it's too late now it is said mr rupert catskill smiling genially and cocked his eye down into the canyon mr barnstaple began to feel for his ledge round the corner with a foot don't go for a minute said mr catskill i'm not going to shoot a voice from within probably lord baralonga said something about heaving a rock at mr barnstaple someone else probably ridley approved ferociously not without due form of trial said mr catskill over his shoulder his face was inscrutable but a fantastic idea began to run about in mr barnstaple's mind that mr catskill did not want to have him killed he thought about things and he wanted him now to escape to the utopians and perhaps rig up some sort of settlement with them we intend to try you sir said mr catskill we intend to try you we cite you to appear mr catskill moistened his lips and considered the court will sit almost at once his little bright brown eyes estimated the chances of mr barnstaple's position very rapidly he craned towards the bridge we shall not waste time over our procedure he said and i have little doubt of our verdict we shall condemn you to death so there you are sir 
i doubt if we shall be more than a quarter of an hour before your fate is legally settled he glanced up trying to see the crest of the crag we shall probably throw rocks he said moritorus te saluo said mr barnstaple with an air of making a witty remark if you will forgive me i will go on now to make a more comfortable position mr catskill remained looking hard at him i have never borne you any ill-will said mr barnstaple had i been your schoolmaster everything might have been different thanks for the quarter of an hour more you give me and if by any chance exactly said mr catskill they understood one another when mr barnstaple stepped round the bend into the recess mr catskill was still looking out and lord barralonga was faintly audible advocating the immediate heaving of rocks part six the ways of the human mind are past finding out from desperation mr barnstaple's mood had passed to exhilaration his first sick horror of climbing above this immense height had given him place now to an almost boyish assurance his sense of immediate death had gone he was appreciating this adventure indeed he was enjoying it with an entire disregard now of how it was to end he made fairly good time until he got to the angle of the buttress though his arms began to ache rather badly and then he had a shock he now had a full view of the bridge and up the narrow gorge the ledge he was working along did not run to the bridge at all he ran a good thirty feet below it and what was worse between himself and the bridge were two gullies and chimneys of uncertain depth at this discovery he regretted for the first time that he had not stayed in the cellar and made a fight for it there he had some minutes of indecision with the ache in his arms increasing he was roused from his inaction by what he thought at first was the shadow of a swift-flying bird on the rock presently it returned he hoped he would not be assailed by birds he had read a story but never mind that now then came a loud crack overhead and he glanced up to see a lump of rock which had just struck a little bulge above him fly to fragments from which incident he gathered firstly that the court had delivered an adverse verdict rather in advance of mr catskill's time and secondly that he was visible from above he resumed his traverse toward the shelter of the gully with feverish energy the gully was better than he expected a chimney difficulty thought to ascend but quite practicable downward it was completely overhung and perhaps a hundred feet below there was a sort of step in it that gave a quite broad recess sheltered from above and with room enough for a man to sprawl on it if he wanted to do so there would be rest for mr barnstaple's arms and without any needless delay he clambered down to it and abandoned himself to the delightful sensation of not holding on to anything he was out of sight and out of reach of his earthling pursuers in the back of the recess was a trickle of water he drank and began to think of food and to regret that he had not brought some provision for him from the store in the cellar he might have opened one of those gold-leaf covered cubes or pocketed a small flask of wine wine would be very heartening just now but it did not do to think of that he stayed for a long time as it seemed to him on this precious shelf scrutinizing the chimney below very carefully it seemed quite practicable for a long way down 
the sides became very smooth but they seemed close enough together to get down with his back against one side and his feet against the other he looked at his wrist watch it was still not nine o'clock in the morning it was about ten minutes to nine he had been called by ridley before half past five at half past six he had been handing out breakfast in the courtyard serpentine and cedar must have appeared about eight o'clock in about ten minutes serpentine had been murdered then the flight and the pursuit how quickly things happened he had all day before him he would resume his descent at half past nine until then he would rest it was absurd to feel hungry yet he was climbing again before half past nine for perhaps a hundred feet it was easy then by imperceptible degrees the gully broadened he only realized it when he found himself slipping he slipped struggling furiously for perhaps twenty feet and then fell outright another ten and struck a rock and was held by a second shelf much broader than the one above he came down on it with a jarring concussion and happily he rolled inward he was bruised but not seriously hurt my luck he said my luck holds good he rested for a time and then confident that things would be all right set himself to inspect the next stage of his descent it was with a sort of incredulity that he discovered the chimney below his shelf was absolutely unclimbable it was just a straight smooth rock on either side for twenty yards at least and six feet wide he might as well fling himself over at once as try to get down that then he saw that it was equally impossible to retrace his steps he could not believe it it seemed too silly he laughed as one might laugh if one found one's own mother refusing to recognize one after a day's absence then abruptly he stopped laughing he repeated every point in his examination he fingered the smooth rocks about him but this is absurd he said breaking out into a cold perspiration there was no way out of this corner into which he had so painfully and laboriously got himself he could neither go on nor go back he was caught his luck had given out part seven at midday by his wristwatch mr barnstaple was sitting in his recess as a weary invalid suffering from some incurable disease might sit up in an armchair during a temporary respite from pain with nothing to do and no hope before him there was not one chance in ten thousand that anything could happen to release him from this trap into which he had clambered there was a trickle of water at the back but no food not even a grass blade to nibble unless he saw fit to pitch himself over into the gorge he must starve to death it would perhaps be cold at nights but not cold enough to kill him to this end he had come then out of the worried journalism of london and the domesticities of sidingham queer journey it was that he and the yellow peril had made camberwell victoria hounslow slow utopia the mountain paradise a hundred fascinating and tantalizing glimpses of a world of real happiness and order that long long aeroplane flight half round a world and now death the idea of abbreviating his sufferings by jumping over had no appeal for him he would stay here and suffer such suffering as there might be before the end 
and three hundred yards away or so were his fellow earthlings also awaiting their fate it was amazing it was prosaic after all to this or something like this humanity had come sooner or later people had to lie and suffer they had to think and then think feverishly and then weakly and so fade to a final cessation of thought on the whole he thought it was preferable to die in this fashion preferable to a sudden death it was worth while to look death in the face for a time to have leisure to write finney in one's mind to think over life and such living as one had done and to think it over with a detachment in independence that that only an entire inability to alter one jot of it now could give at present his mind was clear and calm a bleak serenity like a clear winter sky possessed him there was suffering ahead he knew but he did not believe it would be intolerable suffering if it proved intolerable the canyon yawned below in that respect the shelf or rock was a better deathbed than most a more convenient deathbed your sickbed presented pain with a wide margin set it up for your too complete examination but to starve was not so very dreadful he had read hunger and pain there would be most distressful about the third day and after that one became feeble and did not feel so much it would not be like the torture of many cancer cases or the agony of brain fever it would not be one tithe as bad as that lonely it would be but is one much less lonely on a deathbed at home they come and say there there and do little serviceable things but are there any other interchanges you go your solitary way speech and movement and the desire to speak or move passing from you and their voices fade everywhere death is a very solitary act of a going apart a younger man would probably have found this loneliness in the gorge very terrible but mr barnstable had outlived the intenser delusions of companionship he would have liked a last talk with his boys and to have put his wife into a good frame of mind but even these desires were perhaps more sentimental than real when it came to talks with his boys he was apt to feel shy as they had come to have personalities of their own and to grow through adolescence he had felt more and more that talking intimately to them was an invasion of their right to grow up along their own lines and they too he felt were shy with him defensively shy perhaps later on sons come back to a man that was a later on that he would never know now but he wished he could have let them know what had happened to him that troubled him it would set him right in their eyes it would perhaps be better for their characters if they did not think as they were almost bound to think that he had run away from them or lapsed mentally or even fallen into bad company and been made away with as it was they might be worried and ashamed needlessly or put to expense to find out where he was and that would be a pity one had to die many men had died as he was going to die fallen into strange places lost in dark caverns marooned on desert islands astray in the australian bush imprisoned and left to perish it was good to die without great anguish or insult he thought of the myriads of men who had been crucified by the romans was it eight thousand or was it 
ten thousand of the army of spartacus that they killed in that fashion along the apian way of negroes hung in chains to starve and of endless variety of such deaths shocking to young imagination such things were more and more fearful in thought than in reality it is all a matter of a little more pain or a little less pain but god will not have any great waste of pain cross wheel electric chair or bed of suffering the thing is you die and have done it's pleasant to find that one could think stoutly of these things it was good to be caught and to find that one was not frantic and mr barnstable was surprised to find how little he cared now that he faced the issue closely whether he was immortal or he was not he was quite prepared to find himself immortal or at least not ending with death in whole or in part it was ridiculous to be dogmatic and say that a part an impression of his conscience and even of his willing life might not go on in some fashion but he found it impossible to imagine how that could be it was unimaginable it was not to be anticipated he had no fear of that continuation he had no thought nor fear of the possibility of punishment or cruelty the universe had at times seemed to him to be very carelessly put together, but he had never believed that it was the work of a malignant imbecile. It impressed him as immensely careless, but not as, but not as dominatingly cruel. He had been what he had been, weak and limited and sometimes silly, but the punishment of these defects lay in the defects themselves. He ceased to think about his own death. He began to think of life generally, its present lowliness, its valiant aspiration. He found himself regretting bitterly that he was not to see more of this utopian world, which was in so many respects so near an intimation of what our own world may become. It had been very heartening to see human dreams and human ideals vindicated by realization, but it was distressing to have had the vision snatched away while still only beginning to examine it he found himself asking questions that had no answers for him about economics about love and struggle anyhow he was glad to have seen as much as he had it was good to have been purged by this vision and altogether lifted out of the dreary hopelessness of mr peeve to have gotten life into perspective again the passions and conflicts and discomforts of a d nineteen twenty one were the discomforts of the fever of an uninoculated world the age of confusion on the earth also would in its own time work itself out thanks to a certain obscure and indomitable righteousness in the blood of the human type squatting in a hole in the cliff of a great crag with unclimbable heights and depths above him and below chilly hungry and comfortable this thought was a profound comfort to the strangely constituted mind of mr barnstable but how miserably had he and his companions failed to rise to the great occasions of utopia no one had raised an effectual hand to restrain the puerile imaginations of mr catskill and the mere brutal aggressiveness of his companions how invincible had father amerton headed for the role of the ranting hating persecuting quarrel-making priest how pitifully weak and dishonest mr burleigh and himself scarcely better 
disapproving always and always in ineffective opposition what an unintelligent beauty cow that woman greta gray was receptive acquisitive impenetrable to any idea but the idea of what was due to her as a yielding female lady stella was of finer clay but fired to no service women he thought had not been well represented in this chance expedition just one waster and one ineffective was that a fair sample of earth's womankind all the use these earthlings had had for utopia was to turn it back as speedily as possible to the aggressions subjugations cruelties and disorders of the age of confusion to which they belonged serpentine and cedar the man of scientific power and the man of healing they had sought to make hostages to disorder and failing that they had killed or sought to kill them they had tried to bring back utopia to the state of earth and indeed but for the folly malice and weakness of men earth was now utopia old earth was utopia now a garden and a glory the earthly paradise except that it was trampled to dust and ruined by its caskills hunkers barralongas ridleys duponts and their kind against their hasty trampling folly nothing was pitted it seemed in the whole wide world at present but the whinings of the peeves the acquiescent disapproval of the burlies and such immeasurable effectiveness as his own protest and a few writers and teachers who produce results at present untraceable once more mr barnstaple found himself thinking of his old friend the school inspector and schoolbook writer who had worked so steadfastly and broken down and died so pitifully he had worked for utopia all his days were there hundreds or thousands of such utopias yet on earth what magic upheld them i wish i could get some message through to them said mr barnstable to hearten them for it was true though he himself had to starve and die like a fallen beast into a pit nevertheless utopia triumphed and would triumph the grabbers and fighters the persecutors and patriots the lynchers and boycotters and all the riff-raff of short-sighted human violence crowded on to final defeat even in their lives they know no happiness they drive with excitement to excitement and from gratification to exhaustion their enterprises and successes their wars and glories flare and pass only the truth thing grows the truth the clear idea year by year and age by age slowly and invincibly as a diamond grows amidst the darkness and pressures of the earth or as the dawn grows amidst the guttering lights of some belated orgy what would be the end of those poor little people up above there their hold on life was even more precarious than his own for he might lie and starve here slowly for weeks before his mind gave its last flicker but they had openly pitted themselves against the might and wisdom of utopia and even now the ordered power of that world must be closing in upon them he still had a faint irrational remorse for his betrayal of catskill's ambush he smiled now at the passionate conviction he had felt at the time that if once catskill could capture his hostages earth might prevail over utopia that conviction had rushed him into action his weak cries had seemed to be all that was left to avert this 
monstrous disaster but suppose he had not been there at all or suppose he had obeyed the lingering instinct of fellowship that urged him to fight with the others what then when he recalled the sight of cedar throwing mush about as one might throw a lapdog about and the heightened shape of serpentine he doubted whether even upon the stairs in the archway it would have been possible for the earthlings to have overpowered these two the revolvers would have come into use just as they had come into use upon the slope and catskill would have got no hostages but only two murdered men how unutterably silly the whole scheme of catskill had been but it was no sillier than the behavior of catskill burleigh and the rest of the world statesmen had been on earth during the last few years at times during the world agony of the great war it had seemed that utopia drew near to earth the black clouds and smoke of these dark years had been shot with the light of strange hopes with the promise of a world reborn but the nationalists financiers priests and patriots had brought all those hopes to nothing they had trusted to old poisons and infections and to the weak resistances of the civilized spirit they had counted their weapons and set their ambushes and kept their women busy sowing flags of discord for a time they had killed hope but only for a time for hope the redeemer of mankind there is perpetual resurrection utopia will win said mr barnstaple and for a time he sat listening to a sound he had heard before without heeding it very greatly a purring throb in the rocks about him like the running of some great machine it grew louder and then faded down to the imperceptible again his thoughts came back to his erstwhile companions he hoped that they were not too miserable or afraid up there he was particularly desirous that something should happen to keep up lady stella's courage he worried affectionately about lady stella for the rest it would be as well if they remained actively combative to the end possibly they were all toiling at some preposterous and wildly hopeful defensive scheme of catskills except mr burleigh who would be resting convinced that for him at least there would still be a gentlemanly way out and perhaps not much afraid if there wasn't amerton and possibly mush might lapse into a religious revival that would irritate the others a little or possibly even provide a mental opiate for lady stella and miss greetick gray then for pank there was wine in the cellar they would follow the laws of their being they would do the things that nature and habit would require of them what else was possible mr barnstaple plunged into a metaphysical gulf presently he caught himself looking at his wrist-watch it was twenty minutes past twelve he was looking at his watch more and more frequently or time was going more slowly should he wind his watch or let it run down he was already feeling very hungry that could not be real hunger yet it must be his imagination getting out of control End of section 11